Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show that helps you lead better where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. I welcome to the show this week uh, Tanya Gullistrop-Lowes, the founding director of the charity The Giving Tree, whose simple strap line, Turning Autism Around, explains its aim. As we will discover, she knows what it's like to see the effects of autism in someone in the family and wants others to benefit from the kind of help that she receives. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Great to, great to have you along the show. Uh, so start. let's start with your story. Uh, you received a phone call from someone at your son's nursery. Yes. Um, so my son, Constantine, was um, just coming up to the age of two. He was a very engaging and chatty little boy. Uh, we, I'm Danish, um, although I grew up in the States. And we were speaking two languages at home and we noticed a marked difference because he lost all of his language and the nursery quickly picked up on this and gave me a call and told me you need to take him to see someone this isn't quite right so i did just that and went um, took him to our pediatrician first and i'm very blessed in the sense that i had the ability and means to go and take him to see someone privately in terms of kind of the next steps because the pediatrician did recommend that we do so. So within two days, we were able to see one of the top neurodevelopmental pediatricians here in the UK, and she carried out a slew of questions and tests uh, in the clinic with him. I had my mother with me, luckily. Um, and it became apparent very quickly that it was autism um, that he was affected by. And that, I mean, that was distressing, no doubt. Yes. Um, so the interesting thing is um, I studied psychology and before I wanted to start my PhD, part of the prerequisite for being able to do so was to work with children. And at the time, my path crossed with a family who needed help for their 11-year-old mm. daughter at the time who happened to have autism. And they introduced me to Applied Behavioral Analysis, ABA. Um, so I did have you know, past experience and exposure. And um, I mean, for, for listeners, and I'm familiar. I mean, most people are familiar a little bit with autism, but the kind of I mean, there's a spectrum. Yes, there's a spectrum. So it can vary hugely. So you've got children that are verbal, that sometimes can be deceptive in the sense that they are verbal and they have that language. And then you've got, you know, the other end of the spectrum, which is the nonverbal children, which sometimes rely on communication devices, um, you know, in order to make themselves understood and to communicate. And how much is understood of the, the, the origins and why? This is the underlying question, I <laughs> think, of anyone that has an interest, particularly um, researchers and mm. scientists in autism, that we just don't know enough yet, unfortunately. Right. So you're, um, the, those who are helping are, are dealing with, with symptoms and not causes. So they're, they're, they're seeing what's manifest and then they're exactly. intervening. So ABA, um, which I mentioned earlier, that is very much dealing with the symptoms and trying to redirect behaviours so that the child can learn. Right, right. And um, uh, so you, you've, you've obviously benefited from the, the ABA approach. Yes. Um, what, 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 what could you see in your son that, that demonstrated the changes? So 
Um, Constantine has been doing ABA now for coming up to three years. Mm. I was told at the point of diagnosis that the chances of him actually developing speech or redeveloping after he lost all of his language um, looked bleak. But I was very adamant that that was not going to be the case because the thinking behind it was, well, he's had language before. Why wouldn't he be able to acquire it again? So I think the biggest, you know, obvious sign is that his language is now developing again and that he is engaging and he's become a very social little boy and is curious about the world and his peers and, you know, enjoys interacting with people. Right. So had you taken him out of uh, school? I mean, how how's, how's it so, that function? So the way that it worked was I was incredibly fortunate that a particular nursery in the, this area allowed me to send in a one-to-one ABA mm. shadow with him to the okay. nursery environment. So I've never taken him out of the social context, which is incredibly important for children with mm. autism. Um, but having said that, he doesn't, now that he's in primary school, he's still doesn't go to school as much as other children his age because he still needs that intensity um, to develop, you know, the next stages. Right. And so he's what age now? So he's coming up to six in May. And does he have siblings? Yes. He has an older sister who's a year and a bit older than him. Right. And obviously I'm bound to ask whether, you know, whether she's got any autistic tendencies herself? Not at all. If anything, um, I'd say having... Constantine as her younger brother has really developed her levels of empathy and she is an incredibly kind and understanding and relatively patient child <laughs> for a seven-year-old. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, so uh, you you obviously have, um, I'm, I'm sure, kind of inhabited this, this new world for you of autism and understanding it and, and have read things and uh, what do you think generally the public is understanding well or is the public generally not getting it at all i think one of the challenges here in the uk is absolutely the levels of understanding public okay. understanding of autism a lot of people associate autism with rain man the movie right you may yes. recall and it's so much more than that and that movie for example shows someone with very high functioning autism yes. slash possibly asperger's um but there's a lot to be done in terms of the public conception and mm. showing, you know, understanding and being able to show compassion as a result of mm. it. So you used that word Asperger's as we were going past, mm. and that's again... Asperger's that's isn't autism as such mm-hmm. um, because they don't have the same language deficits that someone on the autistic spectrum has. Right. But it is associated kind of in that larger group. Okay. And, and well, Raymond, certainly in the Rain Man film, and, and others seem to have, if they've lost out in some areas, they seem to have an enhanced capacity in others. Is that, is that typical? I would, see, I would say that um, also, you know, in terms of children on the autism spectrum, that they may have, as you said, they have deficits in some areas and then are incredibly um, talented in others. I could definitely, you know, I can relate to that in terms of my own son. He is incredible in terms of, uh, you know, nonverbal problem solving and just being able to Mm. deal with a challenge and, you know, maintain the focus on that particular task, whereas some children may not do that. Yeah, yeah, okay. And and, and typically, is it your experience that those suffering from autism are able to, to stay within the mainstream schooling? 
you know and it really depends uh, on the level that they're at mm. and not just on the school but actually on the intervention that they've had mm. when they had the intervention some children are unfortunately so severe that when they do reach school age that they're not able to go into a mainstream school or they may not have had ABA um, ABA very much maintains the principle that children with autism mm. should be with neurotypical peers mm. because what they're doing is they're learning from their peers so if they're in special needs schools then they're going to mimic you know inappropriate behaviors from mm. their peers and that's not what we want we want to be engaging them so. sure sure okay um and i understand there are the adults who are on the spectrum but perhaps not diagnosed and and I've, i mean i've heard wives <laughs> saying of this of their husbands no doubt it could be the opposite of saying crumbs this sounds like my husband kind of thing <laughs> absolutely i do believe and again as kind of going back to earlier in the show um there's you know individuals who are on the spectrum who are incredibly high functioning sometimes mm. they get lost in the system and things aren't picked up until much later because mm. they've been able to somehow cope for many years and it's not until they reach adolescence or adulthood mm. that it's picked up that there is really an underlying challenge yeah yeah okay and um so you you face this this um you know this this what was a kind of relatively tra traumatic time for you yeah. um uh, and you found ABA, and then you've uh, obviously you decided. Well, I want I want others to benefit the way I've benefited. So, what what happened next in terms of setting up the the, the foundation you're part of? Um, I think I wanted to kind of I want to give you a little bit of a snapshot sure, as to do. how it uh, how it happened. Mm. Um, so Constantine was obviously diagnosed in the spring of 2013. He mm. had um, he started an intensive ABA program mm. um, in the September. 35 40 to 40 hours a week and I was you know very fortunate that mm. was able to fund it and in November I was sitting and my mother you know sends me a text message and says you've got to switch on to channel 4 this evening there's a program called autism challenging behavior mm. so I turned on um, switch on the and I sat there and was absolutely gobsmacked by what I saw so basically what it was, it was a program following various individuals who had had ABA and then other children who might have had ABA and then it was taken away from them. So, you know, the parents lost funding and it just showed the journey of, well, you know, if you have money, you can help your child. And that's really, it. that shouldn't be the case. And I just saw that as being very unfair. Mm. And it was at that moment I thought, well, here I am able to help my son and he's obviously been given to me for a reason and I want to be able to help others. So that is how I started up the charity. And as you can imagine, I was going through a lot myself dealing mm. with running a home ABA program and having him in school as well and just all the coordination and also being involved in the therapy myself. Um, but I really felt that what the UK needed at the time was mm you know, levels of awareness or raising levels of awareness in terms of early intervention and the fact that ABA is recommended particularly in the US as the therapy or intervention of choice for individuals with autism. So it was really kind of on that night, I think I believe it was November fifth, that that's where the idea came from. And I went to my family and said, This is what I want to do mm. and fortunate enough that I was able to access someone that had 
a lot of experience in setting up charities mm -hmm. and charitable trusts, etc. And I got my trustees together and off we went. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, we'll, we'll talk about uh, how that you know unfolded after the after the break. You're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Tanya Gullistock-Lowes, the founding director of the charity The Giving Tree. We'll be back just after this. And welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Tanya Gullistock-Lowes, the founding director of The Giving Tree. We were talking before the break of, of how she um, ha has a son who's uh, has got uh, autism, autism and uh, found particularly a, 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 an intervention called ABA was such a helpful approach and how as a result of that she started to to think about setting up a charity so that others can benefit and be helped. So um, first of all uh, Tanya the, the numbers who might be affected by autism what well, I really appreciate that's a, oh. given our lack of understanding of these things it may be tricky According to say. According to very recent statistics mm. it's one in 68. Well so that's probably in, a, in an average primary school you might be have three or four people, yeah. three or four children yes. who've got autism, yeah. Yeah. and for those, for the mothers, if they've if they've diagnosed and understood it, or for, if the teachers are aware of it, at the moment there's there's relatively little that could. I mean, the special needs coordinator in the school would yeah. do some intervention, but they, there's very little they can right. do. Right. So special needs coordinators have an incredibly vital function, mm. particularly in terms of autism mm. and early intervention. And I would say, unfortunately, here in the UK, we see that a lot of people that come to us, um, you know, asking for help are not all special needs coordinators have that knowledge of ABA and early mm. intervention. Um, so, you know, if you do have a child with autism, the first thing really is to look into ABA, mm -hmm. um, given that it is so evidence based. Um, mm. So that's and there are a lot of ABA's providers here in the UK and it's just finding the right fit and someone that you know lives in your or close to you to, mm. to enable you and uh, so the sort of costs of ABA um, the costs are quite staggering mm. and this is obviously one of the barriers to entrance mm. um, if you're running a full-time program you're looking at costs from about forty thousand pounds and up a year my word okay so that that's going to be outside of the budget of many yes and so the Giving Tree is, is is aimed to raise money to... So what we do is we've been um, incredibly successful in terms of raising funding mm. um, because it affects so many individuals. Mm. Um, so in terms of you know being able to generate um, successful events, it's pretty easy when so many people are affected mm. or know mm. someone. Um, so what we do is we... We mainly or primarily focus on families in London and Birmingham areas within certain catchment zones and ages, children ages three to five, because mm -hmm. ideal intervention ages right before okay. school or nursery. And we then go through a very lengthy questionnaire. Everyone is means tested. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have a certain household income. And at the moment, I believe it's £45,000 a year. So if you're making that or below, then you were eligible to apply. Okay. And based on that, we, we've, got to show, we've got to see that the parents really want this type of intervention and that they're willing to commit to it because it is absolutely a family commitment and mm. the consistency that's required you know, 24-7 for these children. Um, and then if they're successful, we issue bursaries of 
£45,000 a year. Wow. And what that enables families to do is to get the ABA program up and running so that they have all the data and they can say, look, this really works and look at all the gains my child's made. Mm. And then they can go to their local authority and apply for funding. And we've had a lot of success with this model so far. So. Wonderful. So uh, I appreciate it may be difficult to summarize the kind of things that that's done within ABA, but mm. give us a, a bit of a, a hint for listeners who may be thinking, hang on, what does this involve? Um, so for example, eye contact. Okay. Um, so for especially in the, you know, the early stages of implementing mm. an ABA program, um, these children lack eye contact mm. and therefore what ABA does it's like it's focusing on all positive behaviors so if you get the child looking at you mm. during mm. a session or even outside of session you praise them and you give them a reward for giving good eye contact okay so what that happens you increase the intensity so the more eye contact the mm. more mm. praise and rewards associated the child then knows that that's something positive that they should be doing okay Oh, that's splendid. No, mm-hmm. Excellent. Sure. Um, now, many obviously listening as a leadership file, uh, there'll be listeners who are maybe uh, in youth work or church leaders or whatever. And, and they're, they're involved in observing uh, young people and obviously some involved in, in children's work. Um, obviously, it's, it's ideal if parents can explain to folk in the church, oh, my, ch- my child suffers from autism and, and what the, the ramifications are. But sometimes that's not always going to happen. Yeah. You know, especially if it's uh, a youth club or something and all people mm. are coming in. Mm. What would be your kind of uh, sort of do's and don'ts kind of to, to folk who are having to um, to seek to help those who struggle? Um, in that type of environment, I would definitely say um, integration, so inclusion and showing utter compassion, particularly okay. towards the parents and the child. Mm. Um, I think in those settings, particularly social, it is if you see that child or you know um, adolescent or young adult struggling is that you make it a point to include them and it may be slightly awkward for them in the mm. beginning but then slowly you're able to integrate them okay so so the the, the thing not to do obviously is to ident- is to say oh there seems to be a problem here let's get all you know you, you don't well i i don't believe in avoiding the issue if mm. you you know um in that type of environment notice that there is something different mm then, you know, it's your responsibility in a way, especially as a mm. youth leader, worker, um, you know, to speak with the family because mm. sometimes they may not know that there is that, mm. you know, deficit in terms of a social environment. Right, right. Now, um, turning to the leadership of the, 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 the charity, um, Tanya, um, various times on the leadership file we've done been going for 10 years or so and so occasionally people have come on who've set up a charity because of a burning need which is often the, often the way that charities are set up um, uh, did you have leadership experience beforehand I mean wh- wh- how did it how, how have you found the whole process of, of setting up your own charity um, <laughs> I, I've def- I, in the beginning I found it incredibly challenging because yeah. um, it was a new adventure or a new mm. journey for me but um I would say that I'm incredibly blessed that I have been raised by two very strong parents. Mm -hmm. And um, my father is a leader in the business world and having such a strong role Mm. model has definitely helped me. And going through school in the US, there's a lot of emphasis on leadership Mm -hmm. and developing that. Um, So from a very early age, I, you know, was a leader in school and also out of school. And when I did my psychology degrees mm. and after I went into the workplace, I was very fortunate 
that I got a managerial role pretty much straight out of university. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of leadership experience, yes, mm-hmm. I did have that. <laughs> and, and the biggest challenges you found? Um, the biggest challenges have been um, particularly parents of older children with autism or young mm. adults who did not have early intervention and were not able to help their children the mm. same means. Um, there's a great sadness there and sometimes that sadness manifests itself in you know aggression towards mm. what we're doing and mm. that ABA is cruel and why would you do that to your child? And for me, kind of, I guess the, the counter argument is, well, you know, isn't it cruel for a child not to have a life full of dignity and not to have hope for your child? So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and your hopes for the charity? What, 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 do you have kind of big dreams of um, cr- across the UK yeah. or whatever, or back to um, Denmark? I, my, I think my biggest dream is to start up an early intervention centre here okay. in the UK focusing on ABA. Mm. And, and the th- sort of things that you, I mean, obviously some listeners listening might be interested in supporting you or yes. being um, involved in some way. Mm-hmm. So what would be the, the way that they, yeah. the mechanism they uh, do that? So we're always looking for volunteers and we're so blessed that we've had, you know, lots of people um, get in touch over the past that are now involved. And um, the best way really is to go onto our website where oh. all of our contact details are and ping us an email. And that's the Giving Tree Foundation UK at gmail.com. Okay, so the Giving Tree Foundation at gmail.com at gmail.com splendid stuff and um obviously some some are listening and thinking crumbs i, I don't really know very much about autism are, are there obvious books that they people need to turn to there's so much so much literature out okay. there on autism and it's really identifying ones that have the evidence behind them okay um i don't have one particular there's go-to. no there's no obvious go-to no no so the idea would be to Google or to go to Amazon and, and type in autism and, and see what there and is around. See, I mean, there is um, a doctor that I work with in Boston, and he's written an incredible book, um, and it's by Dr. Chris McDougall, and it's all um, clinical and evidence-based, and it just explains certain behaviors and um, certain challenges associated with looking after children and Young adults okay. with autism. So Chris Chris McDougall. Yes, Dr. Chris McDougall. From okay, Harvard. is it MAC yeah. or MC? Uh, MC. MC. <laughs> MC Dougal. Okay, so Chris McDougall. So if you're looking for uh, for places to read about, then uh, this, this Bostonian might be the person to go to. Splendid stuff. So um, just remind us of the email address again. It's the Giving Tree Foundation UK at gmail.com. Wonderful. Well, Tanya has been terrific to chat with you. I've been chatting this. Uh, uh, leadership file with Tanya Gullistrup Lowe's, the founding director of the the Giving Tree, whose simple tra- strap line is turning autism around. So thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for being on the show. And uh, I trust as you've been listening, maybe it's uh, resonated with you. Uh, maybe there's been there are folk that you know who who uh, are struggling in this area, or you might be struggling in this area. So hopefully this has given you some information to take on and and use. So um, do log on to Premier's own website, and you can. Uh, Listen to archive versions of the leadership file. Do email me uh, if you've got uh, guests that you may um, think would be suitable for the show or topics you want us to cover. We'd be delighted to uh, to do that and to involve them in the in the show on a weekly basis. Uh, do um, also go to iTunes. You can download all the shows on iTunes to your listening device. You can subscribe even, uh, and then if you miss the show on a, a Sunday at three thirty, then uh, you can still listen uh, at a time of your uh, choosing.
So I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.